Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to something to wrestle with. Something well, you know, that's not a rib. She pooted. She pooted. What a rib? No, you have a big There's no box of gimmicks. Rumor and innuendo. I don't deal in rumor and innuendo. Was he there? I was there. I don't give a shit. I ain't scared of shit. I ain't scared of shit. Fuck him. You, Bruce. Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Something to Wrestle With. Bruce Pritchard. Bruce, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm just absolutely wonderful. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, by God. Hey, have you seen the uh, new Mr. Rogers promo with uh, Tom Hanks? I've heard enough about it that I feel like I've seen it, as a matter of fact. You know, uh, being a beautiful day in the neighborhood, that kind of brought you back there to it, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I thought, well, that's pretty random that he would say it like that. I wonder if he saw it. It just had such an effect on me as a child. Well, we hope that uh, WWE, when you were growing up, had an effect on you. And that's why you're tuned in here to love to know. This is uh, always a fun deal here on the show. This week, our topic, whatever you want. Now we took to social media and if you haven't been following us there, you definitely need to be, uh, for instance, on Twitter, it's at Pritchard show. We posted this week at Bruce Pritchard is answering all your burning questions and our hashtag love to know episode, leave your questions here. Uh, and as we're talking right now, Bruce, we've got more than 500 responses. People are real, really, really ready to pick your brain. Are you ready? Well, I'm about as ready as I can get. You know, there's not a lot to pick there anymore, Conrad. It's, uh, some people think it's fried. Yeah. I mean, I can't really argue that I would have argued it a year ago, but these last six months, yeah, it's probably, uh, probably a little mushy up there. Well, you know, huh? Oh my gosh. 
All right, well, let's get to it. Uh, John Alba, great friend of the show, wants to know, has there ever been one specific storyline or specific character that Bruce takes more pride in than any other and having been instrumental to its success? Well, I, you know, the number one that we all talk about all the time is probably the Undertaker Kane brother story. I mean, that's, that's my number one go-to that I look back on and go, the longevity of it all and the detail that went into the creation of Kane and that whole brother story and how much we added onto it with Paul bear and so on and so forth. But I'd have to also throw in the second, second place that, that we don't talk enough about, I think is in a lot of respects, kind of the creation of the JBL character and that whole story with Eddie Guerrero and, just the building of taking JBL from what he was as Bradshaw and the APA and how people saw him very one dimensional in creating that character as well. and working on that. Mike Whitaker wants to know, do you ever see a WCW reunion show happening? Uh, I, I feel like I should clarify on Mike's behalf, even though we didn't talk, it's not like all those guys that come out and put on a bunch of matches, but we just saw a raw reunion this past week. Would a WCW reunion show be a possibility one day? I think it's could definitely be a possibility without a doubt. I don't, I don't know why not. I think that there's an audience out there, no different than the WWE audience. There's a lot of people. The only thing they've ever watched and supported was WWE. I think there's also an audience out there that the only thing that they watched and supported growing up was NWA slash WCW. I think a lot of people are going to be surprised with this answer. When you do a show overseas, is there already a ring over there or do you have to send one every time? No, there's a ring there. We, we said we ship them over ahead of time, but yes, there are a lot of international rings now that we have all over the world shipped way ahead of time. A great friend of the show. AJ wants to know at this point in your career, what excites you the most when it comes to your work? I, I think the unknown more than anything is probably the most exciting thing and always has been, um, when you, I don't think I've had to work a day in my life. Thank God, knock on wood. And I enjoy, you know, doing what you do, even, even when it's the shittiest day in the world, it's still not boring. And I can never say that, uh, that what I've done my entire career was ever boring. Jason wants to know, has Vince ever heard the podcast? No, I doubt very seriously. Vince has ever heard the podcast. John wants to know, who do you think undertaker's greatest opponent was? That's an excellent question. Um, I think that for me, some of the most memorable matches he's ever had, uh, probably are going to be Mick Foley and yep. Shawn Michaels. I would go Foley. Yeah. I think Foley's it for me. Yeah, but he had some great ones with Shawn Michaels. And, and that was the thing. When you look at the size differential between those two for Shawn to go out and do what he did with the undertaker, uh, they had a believable and some of the best matches that undertakers ever had. Dermot wants to know if you could sign anyone from any promotion in the world, who would it be? Hmm. Well, Many time frame. Uh, no, I think he means current. And, and let's 
you know, way back when, when you were first, uh, learning about him before, you know, he was at NXT, you were on something wrestle saying Matt Riddle is going to be the man. And this is years ago. And, but you saw something about riddle. And now of course we know Matt Riddle is with NXT bro. Um, is there anybody else out there that, you know, is floating around that you think, man, he'd be great. Hmm. Unfortunately, I don't get as much. Well, hell I don't get nearly, nearly the time at all to watch a lot of what else is out there today. You are correct about Matt Riddle. When I look at him and I see him, there's, there's a, there is a, gentleman that works with uh booker t in reality of wrestling and uh, he goes by the name of gino and very charismatic got some size to him second generation wrestler his father was a wrestler and if i was to pick anybody if i could go cherry pick anyone out there uh, i'd probably be him if i could only take one you know you've mentioned him to, to me before but i just googled him so Check them out. If you haven't already, Gino, uh, reality of wrestling right there in Houston, Texas. Uh, lots of questions this time about our old pal, Tony Schiavone. Uh, here's one. Josh Kuhn writes, do you think Tony Schiavone will ever get another shot in the WWE? He talks about it on his podcast all the time as being the greatest mistake he ever made leaving WWE. Well, I cannot sit here and say, you know, um, no, because you never say never in this business. And I think that you never say never in this business. So for Tony, I think that you never know what might happen. I would love to see him back there at some point, but I don't know. And Tony made his decision way back then. And we all screw up. Trust me. I know. Um, I've got enough screw ups for all of our lifetimes, but, uh, Time will tell, and and again, you never say never. I am a perfect example of that. Well, and maybe Eric Bischoff is too. And Dan Oldfield writes during mon- during the Monday Night Wars, if Bischoff had called and offered you big money to jump, would you have gone? Probably. The answer is no, but it probably would have depended upon the mood I was in that day for me to try it on and listen to it and examine it. You know, there were days when you would be just so tired and and just so frustrated that you'd say, I'd rather be anywhere but here. Um, When you're able to look back on it, say, yeah, I probably wouldn't have gone anywhere. But it never happened. And I can tell you that Eric and I have had discussions where I've said, what about me, asshole? Hey, man, you never called me. Um and Eric thought that, that Pat Patterson and I were the two people that would never leave. Right. So, uh, he, he never did, but I, I probably would have thought about it, but I don't think I would have gone. Lenny Bakken, great friend of the show wants to know what's been the biggest change in the WWE from when you left in 08 to today. Oh man. Well, we're not going to get into much today's stuff, but I will say this. The, just the growth of the company and the unbelievable, uh, th- there was a time where if we wanted to do something or we had a idea that we just did it, you know, we just did it and 
figured it out as we went along. And now there are just so many departments and qualified people to take care of every aspect of a business plan and actually put a business plan together. So the, the growth is what is really the biggest change. It's unbelievable. Gregory wants to know with SummerSlam coming to Toronto this year, any funny Toronto stories you can share? Well, I remember there was the, when we ran the sky dome for WrestleMania six in Toronto, they have a hotel that is connected to the sky dome. And if you have certain hotel rooms, you could actually watch whatever was taking place in the sky dome from your hotel room. And during a baseball game, one time there were a couple people having sex in their room that they zoomed in on and was like, Oh my God, those people are naked and having sex and people in the stadium had binoculars on them and so on and so forth. So we booked all of the rooms that had the view of the, uh, stadium arena, whatever you want to call it, uh, so that that wouldn't, wouldn't happen with us. And the night before WrestleMania, I, I had one of those rooms and we were sitting there, had the windows open and everything, just kind of looking down on the massness that is WrestleMania. And I was with a friend of mine and, and it might've been a little smoky in our room, but we stuck our head out the window. And as we stuck our head out the window, this package came flying from above and almost took our heads off, which was Luckily, it didn't and came crashing down. And for whatever reason, someone had dropped a a bag or it was probably their room service just full of dishes and shit that came crashing down and missed us by maybe it was probably a foot. In reality, it's probably six feet, but it felt like it was only a foot away. And scared the living shit out of us that, you know, but that's just one Toronto story. There were so many, you go back to the tunnies when you used to go to Toronto and you'd go to the old maple leaf gardens. That was where you got the ham and cheese sandwich. And that was your catering in Toronto. Jack Tunney would have these really shitty ham and cheese sandwiches made for everybody, but at least he had some food for you. And the other thing was they always had Fresca. And I liked Fresca and I couldn't find it anywhere else. So that made me happy about Toronto. Here's a fun question. We get lots of Mount Rushmore questions in wrestling, but this is a different take on one. And, uh, you're gonna have to do some thinking here. Mick wants to know who would be on Bruce's Mount Rushmore of the worst wrestlers of all time. (laughs) Um, that covers a lot of ground, man. Let's see. Cause you see, you're saying like worst human being or worst wrestler or just whatever you want, like, like cringe worthy. Oh boy. Bulldog Brower. Okay. Dick Brower from way back when I have no idea how he drew money anywhere, different time, different place, but he was God awful. Um, Let's see. 
you know, the renegade that they used in WCW for a while, he was actually worse than the real thing. Um, there's four on there, right? Yeah. Got to come up with two more really bad ones. Um, you ever see Rufus R. Jones work? <laughs> Uh, one more <laughs> you, you can <laughs> you can ask the, the champ about that one um rufus would be there and probably uh the last but not least please don't email me man because i don't care you were a horrible wrestler was a, a guy evan johnson i believe was his name from Minnesota. He was a shooter that Vern brought in, but he had no business being in the professional wrestling business. He was terrible. Wow. And he's probably number one, the worst. That's the name. I don't even know. He's the guy that wrestled Dick Slater and Dick, uh, he kept taking Dick down and Dick was the booker and the champion. So Dick said he would work with him because it was like, okay, Dick was going to try and get a match out of him. And after the match, Dick was so pissed off. He came in and Dick slapped him down in the dressing room afterward. And to go even further into it, it's like my brother told this story on one of his reports and Dr. Tom reports. And, and he took quite an exception to it and emailed Tom back and forth disputing the story. But everyone that was there, with the exception of Evan, uh, tells the same story that uh, Dick kind of basically slapped Evan and Evan didn't do much. And there were people in between them immediately. Uh, but it was it was not a fun scene. And Evan, his professional career only lasted a few months. He just never got it just did not get the business, did not understand the business in any way, shape, or form. Crimson so Mask wants to know, we know Tony has seen it because he talks about it all the time, but has Bruce ever seen the baby's arm? Unfortunately, I think if you're, yeah. <laughs> Daniel wants to know, do wrestlers get paid when they appeared in magazines like the wrestler or pro wrestling illustrated, etc.? Hell no. Derek for real was to know who smoked the most Mary Jane. I always assumed it was RVD, but I may be mistaken. Well, I got to tell you, man, I think RVD probably holds the record these days. Back in the day, man, the big cat, Ernie lad smoked by, I mean, everybody did. It was, it was the, uh, relaxation choice of a lot of guys uh the big cat or let me tell you something Pritchard. there's nothing wrong with having a big bag of weed in the back of your car um i did roddy piper did there were a lot of guys that 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 did but the i uh, you know ernie ladd smoked a lot of dope man dan dean wants to know has bruce ever actually eaten jerry jarrett's chicken salad and if so was it any good the answer is no. And your next question would be, well, would you Bruce, if he made you some chicken salad, come on folks. Do you really think I would eat something that Jerry Jarrett made? John Gardner wants to know if you could change one thing about your past in the wrestling business, what would it be? Hmm. Hmm. Huh, that's 
Um, one thing. Yeah. Did I was telling this story to somebody the other day. I probably would not have walked out on Bill Watts when I was like 18 or whatever, whatever age I was at the time when here was the deal. We were doing a show in Houston. It was a big show and I was the ring announcer. And for the big shows, Bill used to bring in Boyd Pierce to announce the main event. Well, I'm a cocky kid, man. I, you know, I had all the answers. I knew everything. I'm a fucking star, man. I'm the ring announcer at Houston wrestling on Friday nights. And I would take great exception to him bringing in Boyd to announce the main event because that was in many ways, my payoff was to announce these huge main events. And I took exception to it. And Boyd came in one time and I confronted Bill in a very unprofessional manner. I, I was wrong on all counts on it. And I said, is he uh, going to announce tonight? He says, yeah, he's in the last two matches. I said, well, he can do them all. And I walked out. And it was the longest walk of my life, passing guys like Mr. Wrestling Number 2, Junkyard Dog. Or, I mean, it was terrifying, but... If I was going to go back and, and one little pivotal thing that I wish I could take away, that would be it. That's not surprising. That's a, I mean, it's the same story you've told me before. Uh, lots of questions this week about this. Uh, this one comes from George. How do you think Sid's softball team is doing in 2019? Well, hell he's had enough practice. I would imagine it's, it's pretty good. Have you ever seen Sid actually play softball? No, I've never seen him actually show up for raw either though. I mean, well, a lot of us haven't. <laughs> Chris wants to know if Matt Hardy had Jeff's it factor, would he have been a long-term world champion? And do you think someday he'll be an ideal fit in creative or as an NXT instructor? I find Matt Hardy to be very creative and. You know, Matt was always the one that, that we thought was going to make it. And it's just because of his temperament in a lot of respects. Jeff has a charisma. Jeff has that, that crazy it factor. But I do believe that Matt Hardy um, has a tremendous mind. A little different. But he has a great mind. And he will find his place in, in, in the business when he's done actually taking bumps and being in there. If Ricky steamboat stuck around long-term in 1991, how likely is it? We would have seen him feud with Ric Flair. I think, um, eventually if they both had stuck around that you would have gotten there at some point, why not? How much professional jealousy was there between Austin and rock during the attitude era? And had Vince learned from the Brett and Sean fiasco and try to take extra care to avoid another situation like that? Well, first of all, I think that it was a lot of professional respect there, no matter who you are or what profession you're in, when someone is doing, you know, similar or close to what you're doing and you're both on top, that there's always going to be some professional jealousy to a point. So 
in looking at that, I think that both guys knew the other one was there, but they needed each other. They needed each other to get over to the level that they got over. I dare say that rock may not have been the rock if he didn't have stone cold as a foil and vice versa. Um, they, they made each other and complimented each other so well that yes, there was professional jealousy, but more than anything, it, it was, it was out of respect looking at him going, yeah, this guy could take my spot. According to the rumor and innuendo, Bret Hart and Jake Roberts were going to work a feud after WrestleMania eight. If Jake had stayed with the company and this feud would have happened, could it have been the best of Jake's career? I don't know. I wasn't there for WrestleMania eight, but it definitely would have been. I think that it would have been a hell of a thing to get Brett over as a baby face. And it would have been a hell of a deal to take Brett to the next level at that time in his career. Good friend of the show. Bad money. Slim writes in Shelton Benjamin or Colonel Robert Parker. Well, I'm only going to assume what I think they're asking. <laughs> I, w- I couldn't tell you about Shelton Benjamin. Okay. I-, I can't believe everybody knew what that was right away because I didn't get it until three questions down. John Rega tags in two cold. And I will pre- never understand. Oh, I will never, ever, no matter how many, I-, I don't understand the fascination with other men's personal unit things. Wait, wait, what? I didn't ask that. Yes, you did. But you did, Kami. You right. did. All right. Well, you th- asked about a baby's arm. Well, the, I'm just reading the questions. God damn it. You're reading the questions knowing damn well where you are going, my good sir. Too cold Scorpio or Colonel Robert Parker? Again, I, I you know, I have no idea. Are you going to answer the Batista question today or should I ask it all the way? Uh, no, I will not. Listen, here's the deal. All the questions you've got can be answered over at bluechew.com. Bruce, there you go. you're a bigger dick than ever before. And longtime listeners here to something to wrestle know that you can be a really big dick when you want to be. But now it's even bigger thanks to bluechew.com. And that's blue like the color blue. And uh, Bruce, we talk big. about performance here, Conrad. That's right. Because you've got the world's first chewable. It's got the same active ingredient as both Viagra and Cialis. So you know, it works, but because it's a chewable, it works faster, often up to twice as fast. And you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. And I know you were telling me the other night that you tried blue chew and, uh, you got a five-star performance, but you said it would have been six in the Tokyo dome or something like that. Right? Absolutely. And the great thing about it is you can take them anytime day, night, you got a full stomach. And since they're chewable, as you said earlier, they work twice as fast as a pill, ready whenever the opportunity arises. And the great thing about Blue Chew is you know the name, okay? But we want you to get your first shipment. And you hate it when I do this. No, no, stop it. Yes. We want you to get your first shipment of Blue Chew absolutely free by using our special promo code wrestle okay all you have to do is pay five dollars shipping and go to b-l-u-e chew.com promo code wrestle to try blue chew absolutely free all you gotta do is pay five dollars shipping and handling and then you can talk about 
your first time with Blue Chew. And when you were ready, but you thought you weren't ready, you weren't quite ready, so you had yourself a Blue Chew, and it was the night of a lifetime. Okay. Whatever it may be. Uh, as a reminder, while you're ruining our deal here because you're giving away free shit again, Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no more awkward in-person doctor visit, no more awkward waiting in line at the pharmacy. It just shows up. It's made right here in the USA, ships direct, and it's cheaper than a pharmacy. And it has taken over the wrestling business. I mean, serious business. I got a random text message yesterday at 223, and it starts with like five periods, dot, 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 dot. That blue chew is no fucking joke. I mean, all the boys are using this. Find out why they love it. It's not just for guys with ED like Bruce. It's for guys who Easy want. Now. Oh, I, yeah, I guess I shouldn't be sharing that. That might be a, a violation. Well, it, you sent me to the guy. Well, it works. It Your worked. guy? Yeah, my guy. I got a guy. He's got gonna, a guy. He's going to get it real, real hard. You're going to be Colonel Robert Parker when you're done. Bluechew.com. Use that promo code WRESTLE and give her something to wrestle with. Uh, George wants to know, sorry, Bruce, but a question for Conrad. If you had a, a podcast with Heyman Hustle, what topic would you want to do in long form with Paul? Uh, I'm going to tag you in on this one, Bruce. If you knew that Paul Heyman was going to do one episode, one podcast ever, what would be the topic you think would be most interesting? Hmm. You know what? You know what? Uh, and maybe it's not even Paul, but I would all go all the way back to the double cross of the NWA with Shane Douglas and creation of ECW. That's it. That's not a bad one. I'm in. Uh, Adrian. No, sir. Wants to know. I have to say that. What would it sound like if Jim Cornette sang Ronda Rousey's theme song? Okay. Uh, I don't give a damn about my bad reputation, motherfucker. I don't know the rest of the words was bad reputation. Fucking assholes. I don't give a damn. Fuck you, motherfucker. Fucking I agree my double cheeseburger, double cheese, extra onion, double mayo. Wipe my face off with a fucking towel, motherfucker. You know, you just Fuck mentioned Fuck you, it. motherfucker. I knew when I asked. When you heard that Shane Douglas threw down the NWA title, what did you think of that? I mean, part of you is a, grew up an NWA fan. You were very much a traditionalist, but you also understood the business had to advance and I mean, clearly you understood that you went to work for Vince McMahon. what did you think when you heard that Heyman had double crossed the NWA, which, you know, by and large was a dead organization in 94, but what did you think? Well, uh, at that point I looked at it only as an angle. The, the NWA was not the NWA that I grew up with. And it was upon hearing it, I thought it was just an angle, but it, at the same time, it was an angle using a championship that meant less than nothing at that time, unfortunately. So yeah, I just thought it was just another angle and didn't think that much of it. Unfortunately, the NWA of old, and I'm talking about in, in the seventies and maybe early eighties, that is, you know, when you look at it, that, and what they presented beyond 
1990 or whatever it was, didn't matter. Didn't matter. The NWA ceased to exist to that point. Not that you know any of the plans, uh, but Michael Berry senior writes, who's more likely to end up with the reins of WWE after Vince triple H or Shane McMahon. I think that the range is going to be some long reigns and a lot of people will have a hand on. So I don't think it's going to be, uh, any one person. So I, I don't know as far as succession who the one chairman may be, but as far as the company going on, that's, that's spread out amongst a lot of folks that make that thing tick. Josh Coon wants to know, been listening since episode one. What is Bruce's favorite episode and why? Okay. I get asked this question an awful lot and it is the same answer. Here's my favorite episode was the Houston wrestling God episode. I knew you were going to fucking say that. Well, yeah, because it's one of our most downloaded episodes of all time nah. next to TNA. And that's crazy, right? The shows, the shows that we, that you didn't want to do TNA. Remember? No, I wanted to do TNA. The fans no, you didn't, didn't want it. No, you didn't. No, I did. You hated it. No, you're, you're confusing it with Houston. I hated Houston. Cause you didn't know anything about it. And you hated the idea of doing no holds barred. And, right. I, and I was campaigning for no holds barred. You were campaigning for Houston. We both wanted to do TNA, but it just never won a poll. And this is back when all of the topics were determined by a poll. I and mean, yes, we want to bring polls back. Unfortunately, with Vince McMahon requiring Bruce to work 22 and a half hours a day, uh, that, that means we have a lot less time to record and we've got to sort of plan ahead and put some of these in a pocket. Please don't, or, please don't put that out there. Seriously, man. If he finds out that I'm not working the other, <laughs> man, you're being serious you're shit. Me there. You're being serious shit. If he knows I've got an hour and a half of personal time. Yeah. If he ever heard that game, he talk to you, pal. What the hell's this shit I hear you're only doing 22 and a half hours. <laughs> God damn it. You know, my favorite story that I think gets overlooked that really resonates with me more now than ever, because I know the crazy schedule you're on is you would talk about back in the day when, you know, before this is before the commercial. I mean, when we're flying commercial, this is before we have private jets and Vince would be driving along and for hours and hours and hours, you know, you've been up 20 hours and he would say, he's driving, get your notebook out, pal. Let's do some work. So you got to start working. You would fall asleep, wake back up. He would keep going again, fall asleep, wake back up. He would keep going again. And then when he drops you off at your house, as you're exhausted, can barely keep your eyes open. He would look at you and say, did I get it all? Yep. And, and to me, it's like, that is the most Vince McMahon story ever. Now that I know when you're like, well, I got a conference call starting in an hour. I'm like, it's 11 at night. Yep. Should be done by four. Let's tape at six. And that's the life we're living right now where you go blink for two hours and then ta-da, Conrad's up your ass to tape another show. Yeah. And, and to give you a peek inside of my world, I live by my calendar more than ever. And it's, I will have all of this stuff and then you and I will text we don't even get a talking this is the most we get a talk folks during the week this is like the only time we can actually have a physical conversation and i'll text and go okay i've got this i've got like two and a half hours during these times i have two and a half hours during these times now i can't guarantee this one on thursday because i might have to yeah it's a bit of a jigsaw puzzle but going back to the question 
My favorite is Houston, and here's why. Ugh. Because no one picked it in a poll. It lost every poll, even when it got down to um, no holds barred in Houston. It lost by 1%. And, or actually, like literally a couple votes. But it was one of our most downloaded, and it's the one that I think a lot of our listeners have commented on that that's their favorite. Out of it came so many things. A lot of it came the basis for, you know, that that vice land and, and getting behind the scenes when they heard the Gino Hernandez stories I talked about, um, and and some other projects in the works that from that one episode created so much outside and beyond the podcast that um, it was my favorite. And it was because it was just the way that I got in the business and, and my love for the business and the, the origin of it all. I think my favorite is the Jim Cornette one, just because we had recently changed the format on the show where it was less freestyling and more of a real research format that probably started with the Vader episode. But I'll never forget you were at that little conference table in my office as I'm working on the format for Jim Cornette. And we're trying to figure out once we've got most of the format put together, where should we put some commercials in there? And you had told me the George the Rat story before. Oh, God. Oh, we've got to put the George the Rat story in here. Where would that fit? So we're sort of talking timeline about where I should insert that because I would have lots of, you know, research notes, a quote from, a shoot interview or a quote from a book or whatever, but I just knew this George, the rat story and that was never anywhere. So we had to figure out sort of where it went in the timeline of events. And once that was done, I looked at you and said, Hey, what if we say that George died of mesothelioma and it is the hardest I've ever seen you fucking laugh ever to the point that I think you actually fell on the floor in my office out of the chair laughing. It was the most extended period of laughter I've seen you do until we had that train sponsor. A few, a few months ago <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, when, when we could not very serious issues, very serious, but for some reason it just tickled us and we were laughing so hard about the train thing that we had to stop. Like you had to go to the bathroom and pee. Uh, but when we got going again and I just tried to power through and transition that Ron Simmons was jumping off the train because his contract was not renewed, uh, we lost it again and tried to keep it together. So to me, the placement of where we're going to put the ads and how we would just get the other one tickled. Those are my favorite episodes. Yeah, that that's, that's definitely true. And that's what people tend to pick out, but they remember. So it's good. Okay. Let's take a time out right now and remind everybody that today's episode is brought to you by the grounds guys. A neighborly company, the grounds guys is looking for new owners to join their growing company. Could this be the perfect opportunity for you? Are you driven? Do you have the heartbeat of an entrepreneur? Do you love the outdoors? If you're currently running your own landscape business, or you think that a landscaping franchise could be your natural calling, text GG BizOp to 87000 right now to learn more. Choosing to start your business with the grounds guys means setting yourself up for success by surrounding yourself with the best in the business and the best at business with the grounds guys. You'll be your own boss, pick your own territory, set your own hours and live a much better quality of life, running a business that you can be proud of. You'll have access to the best resources to help you scale your landscape business, to meet your personal and professional goals. 
and you'll go home every day with the satisfaction of helping your customers enhance and maintain the beauty of their outdoor spaces. As a grounds guys owner, you'll be a part of the greater neighborly community of home service brands. Neighborly has empowered more than 3,700 entrepreneurs to achieve their dreams and goals through local business ownership. No one knows the home service industry better than neighborly. Every year, nearly 1 million customers are proud to be served by one of Neighborly's 22 award-winning brands, some of which include Mosquito Joe, Molly Maid, Glass Doctor, and Mr. Rooter. And I got to tell you, being an entrepreneur is the best decision I've ever made. I feel like, you know, I have control of my own destiny. I don't have a boss, and uh, it's up to me how much I make. So if you're thinking about being an entrepreneur, this sounds like a great opportunity. So whether you've been thinking about starting your own business or maybe you're already running your own landscape company, text GGBIZOPP to 87000 to learn more about how a Grounds Guys franchise can help you get where you want to go faster than going it alone. Again, text GGBIZOPP to 87000 to learn more about the neighborly brands that may be available in your area. And we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Uh, lots of fun questions here about, um, you know, the one that got away. Charlie thrower wants to know when Bruce was signing talent, whether it was for WWE or TNA, who was the one that got away? Hmm. I don't know if it was so much that he got away that he just didn't want to leave. And then probably sting is one. And that was a big one that, that we just never, you know, never got when we wanted him and, and almost to the point where it became kind of a game and became, okay, well, his deals coming up in such and such a time. He can talk again. It's at least time to say hello. So, you know, staying is probably the big one that, that never got there. Um, trying to think of a good one that we worked on. And then at the last minute, you know, didn't get, but, uh, yeah, I would have to say just off the top of my head, sting was that big one. He was, he was the, uh, when you were at the TNA, Moby Dick, when you were at TNA, did Dixie ever try to sign Goldberg? She said, you know, she would mention his name from time to time, but beyond talking about it. No. Brandy wants to know what is Bruce's go-to coffee order? Oh God. Uh, the, the large, I don't know all this vente lente dente bullshit at fucking Starbucks, but here's what I like is I like five shots of espresso, uh, cappuccino thing. Easy on the easy on the foam, like a little tiny bit of foam with cinnamon and five sweet and lows or no. Yeah. Which one's the, the blue one? Yeah, you got it. Yeah. Okay. Adam wants to know, has Bruce ever sneezed in front of Vince? Oh yeah. And you know how I sneeze. Oh, oh my God. I don't know that the audience knows that, but Bruce sneezing is a fucking production. I mean, think about the loudest. I mean, it sounds like. It sounds like a, a, an attack scene in Jurassic park, loud and violent. I mean, he's putting on a production. You think this can't be real, 
but it happens not once, but multiple times. Yeah. And then when I sneeze, I sneeze a minimum of eight to nine times. Yeah. It's where you think like he's stuck. You know how you've had like a CD that skips. Well, he'll do it. I sneeze in threes. I don't know why that is, but we've counted and Bruce is always either eight or nine. He's never sneezed once in his life. No. So when that happens, does, does Vince have a fucking aneurysm? No, he puts the shield down. Oh God. So he just holds up like a, a notebook and no, he has an invisible shield. He pulls down. If this were a video, you would see me with my index finger and thumb holding it up in front of my face and acting like I'm pulling a string down. He legitimately pretends like he has an invisible shield. Yeah. It doesn't but, pretend he's got an invisible shield. He's Vince McMahon. You don't know. That's the best. So there's a, a super Billy gun fan and he calls himself Billy gun fact. I don't know if you've seen this, but his entire Twitter is this, this one. There we go. When Billy Gunn lost to the rock at SummerSlam 99, is it true that the entire arena started chanting? We want gun during the main event, but they had to silence the audio. I don't believe so. <laughs> I've never heard that in my life. That's <laughs> oh, so great. Chris wants to know when Bret Hart defeated Ric Flair to win his first title. Why wasn't this saved for a pay-per-view or at least televised? Of course. He's talking about the win in Saskatoon, which made its way to uh, VHS, but it wasn't a televised match or on pay-per-view. Well, it was at a television taping and we, we, Vince was ready to make a move and wanted to increase live events. So that's what everything happened was on pay-per-view. Everything happened on pay-per-view. We wanted to create the, you know, the illusion that, uh, Hey, more happens in house shows more. It doesn't just don't just wait for the pay-per-view folks. A lot can happen at any time. In addition to that, Rick, um, had some health issues that were kind of unknown and vertigo. Uh, thank you. I was sitting here trying to think of what the hell it was. Rick was having bouts of vertigo and we needed to get him checked out. So, um, you never felt it. I don't think he ever felt it or ever had issues with it in the ring, but he definitely, definitely was having some issues and we needed to give Rick a rest as well. So just, well, let's do it right now. Kevin friend of the show wants to know, had Roddy Piper stuck around after WrestleMania three, do you think the company could have gone with him at WrestleMania four instead of macho man, Randy Savage? I don't think that Vince ever would have put the championship on Roddy. Roddy was so unique and in many ways putting the championship on Roddy, in my opinion, would have hurt Roddy, would have hurt the attraction. Cause now you gotta beat him. I, I just I was never a fan, wasn't a fan of Roddy being intercontinental champion. I just was never a fan of Roddy being champion because he was just so special and so unique. Todd wants to know what was the most painful bump Bruce ever took anything from the ultimate warrior. Dan wants to know if either of Bruce's kids wanted to get in the wrestling business, would he encourage or discourage them from doing so? I try not to discourage my kids from doing anything and my whole life 
from the time I was four years old. All I wanted to do was be in the wrestling business in my whole life. From the time that I would tell it and everybody that I wanted to be in the wrestling business, I would be told it's a pipe dream, kid. One in a million make it, and it ain't going to be you. So I was discouraged by 98% of the people in my life, all throughout my life. We're not just talking, you know, a couple years here or a month there. This was my whole life, uh, which is probably what drove me to succeed. So my, my kids have, have at times expressed a desire to get into the business. So I take them down to Booker school and I say, Hey, go get it in camp and go give it a shot. And they've done that a few times, but, uh, haven't taken it beyond that. So I wouldn't discourage them, but I don't know that I would necessarily encourage them to, to be on the road. But then again, the business has changed. So it's, it's not what it used to be. So if they wanted to do it, I'd help them. TWT writes, what are some of the changes Bruce would have implemented if he had full control of global wrestling in Dallas, they had TV and a young roster at the time. <laughs> oh my gosh. Just so many things on so many levels, uh, probably would have paid talent that would have helped. Um, I think that when I was there with Eddie Gilbert, the attention to story, there was a big difference. Um, when Eddie took over as far as booking duties there, because before that there were a lot of hokey storylines, you know, like the general or the, whatever the hell it was. And the headquarters were in like some made up African city. And then you had people playing just, it was silly. I mean, it was really silly old school wrestling stuff that you would have done in the, in the early seventies. So when Eddie came in, he made the storylines more in ring storylines between the competitors and the talent instead of some of these kind of goofy storylines that they had had done previously. So to that, you know, and I did have a, a bit of influence in that regard, but I would have taken away maybe some of the commentators and some of the, the fictional in charge people. D writes, we all know Vince is a workaholic and loves it, but other than working out, what does Vince enjoy doing whenever he has quote unquote free time? Does he have any hobbies? Does he have a favorite TV show or movie that you know of? Um, Hmm. Well, as far as TV shows. Yeah. I, right now, what the hell is he watching right now? He's, he's found Deadwood. So he loves Deadwood. Um, it, it depends, you know, really depends on, on what he has time to, to do. There's not a whole lot of free time. I know he enjoys going to the gym. Does that count? You know, I, I know that, um, he, I mean, you told us he likes Deadwood, but what's his favorite longest running weekly episodic television? 
show in history. Monday Night Raw. Uh, lots of questions about this. I mean, tons. Any chance Brother Love could ever pop back up to win the twenty four seven title on Raw? I'm I'm pretty sure that that Brother, you didn't hear about him getting cremated. No, I didn't hear about him getting cremated, but I did see friend of the show Pat Patterson and friend of the show Gerald Briscoe have a run, and I'm sure that's why everybody and their brother. I mean, like every third question this time, why can't Brother Love win the twenty four seven title? <laughs> That'd make brother love would have to take a bump. Why the hell? Why you want him to take a bump? I'm not taking any bumps. I'd like to see you take a bump. I, I, I can count on one hand, I think, the number of times that I was on Raw. I, I introduced Steve. I did a Bret Hart interview. And I think that's about the only and the Raw 25 anniversary. That's why you know people go, oh, you know, you Behind the scenes, yeah, I did a lot on Raw, but in front, Brother Love, I only remember those two times. There may be more, but those are the only two that I really recall. Jeff Mello wants to know, are superstars allowed to bring anyone backstage with them when they come to work? Has Vince ever had to kick anyone out? Yeah, back in the day, we kicked everybody out. No one was allowed to bring anybody. You know, if you work at McDonald's, are you allowed to just bring your wife and your kids and, hey, hang out here, honey, while I make the burgers? Why Why is it okay to bring people to work when you are in the wrestling business? Or, But it's – I just don't think that's a place to bring your friends and family to work. It's We're working, and especially at television because the backstage area – is a live set and you're constantly shooting things. And if you've got people just standing there gawking at your stuff that are not a part of the show or God forbid they get hurt because of something that you're doing backstage, it's, it's dangerous. And in the old days, it was, it was locked down a lot, much more so than it became in later years. And, you know, Vince likes to, to preach a family oriented, business and and that's that's what it is but it's still it's a pain in the ass for those of us that have to work around it adam wants to know how long would harley race have remained king if he hadn't gotten injured and why was haku the right person to put the crown on well haku was part of the heenan family and haku was someone that we were looking to make a singles run with uh, Tonga kid had recently left and gone home making Haku a single. So it was a way to elevate Haku and hopefully try to make him a single attraction with the Bobby Heenan family. And it was a natural going from Harley, uh, to Haku because of the Bobby Heenan tie. And man, I think that, look, if Harley race could, could walk right now, Harley race would probably still be in the ring. Yeah. Thoughts and prayers for Harley race. He's going through a tough yes. time right now. Um, you know, as far as his physical health, I don't know that that's been reported a ton, but, uh, if you're out of the loop, uh, add him and his family to your prayer list. He's, uh, he's in a bad way right now. Uh, my destiny has a weird question. Have you ever accidentally walked into a set or locker room to have a discussion and, uh, Seen something you weren't planning for. 
seen something I weren't planning for. I mean, I walk, the, there's the famous gif of me at TNA walking into a live pre-tape and catching myself and walking out. But, um, hmm. Not really. No. Ethan wants to know now that there are no more live shows. Can we finally hear the famed hashtag Andre Blumpkin story? No. Adam wants to know, is there heat? Between- because the high, because live shows are on hiatus. Okay. They're not dead. Okay. Hiatus. Hey, you want to do one, uh, the afternoon of SummerSlam? <laughs> Uh, 2021. Okay. So yeah, you you never know. Uh, Adam worth wants to know, is there heat between Vince McMahon and slick? It seems strange that he's not in the hall of fame. I do want to mention, uh, that I know why he's not in the hall of fame for 2016, 17, 18 or 19. He's in the uh, concussion lawsuit, but predating 2016, why do you think slick never got a look in the WWE hall of fame? Well, I think Slick will eventually be in the WWE Hall of Fame, and he's one of those, I don't know of any heat at all. I think that Vince and Slick always had a great relationship that I knew of um, forever. The Doctor of Style, Vince loved the character and loved Ken Johnson, so I'm not aware of any heat in any shape or form. Uh, Here's an interesting question. Do the referees have to provide their own uniform? Yeah, they gotta have a referee shirt as part. Of, yeah, just like the boys have to have their own gear. How do they do that? I mean, does everybody just agree? Hey, we, we're all getting it from this store. I mean, that seems like something the company would say. Hey, we need these to you know match. So here they are. Well, you're gonna laugh at this. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think I, I think that they go to uh, referee gear is us. Oh god, and they get all their shit. That I mean, that's where I would go. Sure. Referees are us. Uh, Referee stripes are us. Gary Dinsdale wants to know. He's pretty fired up about it. Can you tell us who? How do you know he's fired up about it? Did he call you? Let me just read it. Okay. Okay. Can you tell us who the fuck wrote those epic WrestleMania and SummerSlam guitar themes? It wasn't Johnston. So the way he just threw the fuck in there, I felt like he's pretty fired up about it. I could be wrong. Which, which ones is he talking about? The old ones? That was Jim Johnston, man. He says it wasn't. Okay. Well, he's fucking wrong. You're you're, then you're fucking wrong, pal. (laughs) Don't fuck off. (laughs) Who the fuck do you think you fucking are? Yes. I love you. Fucking Jim Johnston. You fuck. (laughs) Uh, Tim says in a previous love to know who the fuck, fuck you. Motherfucker. That wasn't even a Jim Cornette one. No, no, that's a goddamn that's a that's a fucking Bruce Pritchard. Fuck you. Dude. <laughs> a little peek behind the curtain. Uh Jim Ross and I are doing our first live show together in Jacksonville, Florida. It's the day before the AEW show, and Joey Janelle is one of our guests, and it's the same week the whole Enzo shit happens. So I thought this will be timely. So Joey sits down, he's telling the story, and he launches into his Jim Cornette impression. It's pretty, I mean, he's got the, like the speech down perfectly, you know, outlaw mud show bullshit, blah, blah, blah. 
Well, at the end, when he finishes, just like what you did, I pull my mic down, just like I've done with you 3000 times at a live show and say, motherfucker. And then he hit motherfucker on the mic and the crowd fucking died. And it was like, I kind of miss Bruce a little. Cause I used to <laughs> just give you little nudges in a live show and bam, it would hit. And it was good times. Good times. Uh, Tim wants to know in a previous hashtag, love to know Bruce was trying to think of a good Hulk Hogan story and didn't give one. Can you think of two good Hogan stories now? I mean, good Hogan stories. Okay. I, I don't know if this is a good Hogan story, but I remember when Hulk was coming back one time and we were trying to do a shoot, uh, Hulk had had his, his first kid. So Brooks, a baby. And Hulk is coming back to Connecticut. He had been gone for a while. He'd taken time off to be there for the birth of his first child. And we wanted to do a sit down interview with him, but we didn't want to do just a regular sit down interview with him. Had an idea. What if we took him out, you know, on a boat and did it out on a boat? You know, Hulk Hogan and one of his, you know, speedboats and shit, just relaxed and and talking about life. And it was going to be for television, but also a Coliseum video special and, and all this. And we're going to get a lot out of it. I'm up for it because I'm thinking, great. We can go to Tampa. We can shoot this shit, take a couple days, have a good time. Well, the problem with that was Hulk was in Stanford and was not planning on leaving Stanford anytime soon. So I had to find somebody who could get me a boat in White Plains. It was uh, White Plains, New York there that somebody had, you know, there's the dock and all this shit. And Sunday morning. And the whole thing is this has got to be secret because if you people find out that we're doing something with Hulk Hogan, we're fucked. We're going to have crowds. And the guy assures me, nope, nobody knows. Nobody knows anything. We come pulling up and Hulk has Linda and she's got the baby and they've got a stroller and they want to come out on the boat too. You would have thought that it was a 4th of July fucking parade. There were so many people there lining the streets. And this is just as we're pulling in, trying to get to the dock to get to the boat. And you, you can't move and people are in the street and they're all like, Oh my God, Hulk Hogan. They're banging on the car. He's ready to just, he's ready to plow through everybody and everything and just go home. And had to talk. Then we had to, it's like there, we get to the dock. There are people in their boats trying to get a glimpse of him. And when we go out, cause I wanted to go out, the guy says, I'll get you out of here and <laughs> get on this big scarab. And he guns it like in the no wake zone. And he guns it, trying to get away from everybody, which everybody else guns their boats. There's Linda holding on to the baby and Hulk going, whoa, brother. And it was just one of those days that I wanted to crawl in a hole and just, just die. Because I knew when I got back, 
first call was going to be to Vince and the next call was going to be from Vince to me. And it was, it was absolutely ugly. We finally had to call the Coast Guard in and have the Coast Guard go out and get people away from our boat because they were too dangerously close. Just trying to take pictures and shit. I mean, back in the day, man, with Holster, that, that poor son of a bitch couldn't go anywhere. You know, it's, it, it's hard. How are you going to hide that? Well, Matsuda knows what's up. He says, for as long as Bruce has been in the business for having worked with uh, Bosch and Watts and McMahon and Dixie Carter and even Court Bauer, he produced greats like Hogan, Flair, Austin, Rock, Cena. What he wants to know most of all, what he would hashtag love to know is, given all that experience, how big's Batista's dick? Still thinking about it. What's that? <laughs> ah, Scott wants to know after hearing about WWE signing Bischoff and some other occurrences this year, I would like to know why is Vince McMahon personally trying to ruin Conrad Thompson? When does Vince McMahon plan on starting a mortgage brokerage company in Huntsville, Alabama? Okay. I'm not supposed to say this. <laughs> But are you, trying to, are you tired of your credit card bills? Oh, Jesus. Your high interest what, rates? what are you doing? No. Would you like to pay off your credit card balances and start saving money, Conrad? No. Yes. Because you can get a credit card consolation. Consolation. <laughs> <laughs> you have to edit that. Boy, Vince is going to be disappointed in you here. Oh my God. I can't believe you're shilling another, another company on, on my show. Damn it. What's well, happening? No, but sir, no, seriously, folks. So if you are tired of your credit card bills with high interest rates and you want to pay all those damn credit cards off and start saving some money, you can get a credit card constant con. I can't say it with my teeth. Fuck. Consolidation loan from Lightstream with rates. Oh, O is 5.95% APR with auto pay. Okay, I can get behind this one. Live stream is legit, and the word that Bruce can't say is consolidation. Wow. If you've got credit card debt, then you should know the average interest rate on a credit card right now is over 19% APR. 
and you can get a loan anywhere from $5,000 to $100,000. Check this out. No application fees, no origination fees, no transaction fees, and no prepayment penalties. The rate's fixed, so it never goes up over the life of the loan. And you can even get your money in your bank account as soon as the day you apply. Now, just for our listeners, you can apply now and even get an additional special interest rate discount. But the only way to get this extra discount is to go to lightstream.com slash wrestle. That's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M.com slash wrestle. Of course, it's subject to credit approval and the rate includes a half a percent auto pay discount. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash wrestle for more information. Gotta love it. Okay, but seriously, is my is my mortgage business safe? Is that one okay? Do I need to start looking at insurance or do do they already have a do they already have a Titan mortgage? <sighs> a great question here. This is uh something I would ask. Jason Ingen wants to know for the King of the Ring ninety four show, since Vince was at home recovering from neck surgery. Does he actually have to call his cable company to order and pay for it? Or is there another way for him to watch it since he's Vince McMahon? Of course he paid for it. So you got pay-per-view. That's how you order pay-per-view. You call your local cable operator and order pay-per-view. Be sure to get there early. Don't miss out on all the action. King of the ring live. Jared wants to know what's one WrestleMania main event. You wish you could have changed the outcome for, or the whole match completely. Well, let me take a guess. WrestleMania 17, Austin doesn't turn heel. I wouldn't have turned him heel there. And that, that is one. That's a big one. WrestleMania eight. I know you weren't there, but would you have fantasy booked what so many other fans did flair Hogan instead of Hogan Sid? No, cause it would died everywhere else. I agree with I agree with what they did there. Um, I guess let me put it to you this way: No, you, you are correct. I would have booked that match and let it die there versus booking in house shows beforehand. The Talking Taker podcast wants to know: Can Bruce give us a good Lord Alfred Hayes story? Well, my favorite Lord Alfred Hayes story is we used to go out a lot during the week. Um, when I was at the studio in my early years all the time and Alfred and I would go to this little place. It's not there anymore called Bugby and Brownell. And it was kind of a neighborhood bar. But this one evening, we found a couple of wenches, as Alfred would call them. Oh my them. gosh, wenches. Wenches. And they took us across the street to a new bar. And I think it was called the Black goose and i got introduced to this uh shot the the lemon drop oh which is ice chilled vodka and they would take a packet of sugar and take a lemon and you would put the lemon on the sugar you would bite the lemon and then you would shoot the vodka and it tastes like a lemon drop well, it, that's I like lemon drops, and I like those a lot. And Alfred really liked these lemon drops. And we had already been drinking quite a bit. And the next day, I get a phone call. 
Hello, Bruce. Would you happen to have any idea where my vehicle might be? Oh, no. <laughs> and I'm like, um, Alfred, you left before I did. Oh, dear. Did I, did I drive? I said, unfortunately, yes. He walked around his, his, not his hotel, his apartment complex a couple times before he found his uh, light sky blue Lincoln Continental parked across six parking spaces, kind of diagonally, um, three blocks away, and a little crooked. And he was just so happy that he found it. I said, did you have a ticket? He says, oh, no, maybe I'll have one when I get back. I said, you didn't move the motherfucker? He goes, I just wanted to find it first. Alfred was great. I mean, Alfred was just so much fun because he lovingly called women wenches. I guess that's a, 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 a term of endearment in England. At least it was to Alfred. If you were a wench to him, you were a beautiful young lady. I'm going to try that here at the house later. See, yeah. I'll, I'll let you know. How hey, Megan, you wench, get in here. <laughs> Yo, wench, come here and see if it works. You got I think it, it helps if you do it with a British accent. I was going to so say let's the British accent. I can't do that. Come on. Yes, you can. You do a Southern accent. You know, you're from New York and you talk like them Yankees and you put on this Southern accent, sure. hillbilly fucking thing for the podcast. Bullshit. Do a, do a, do a fucking well, well, British accent. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that I can. Yeah, you can. Come on. Megan, you hey, winch. Yeah, there you go. Hey, uh, Tally, here, tally ho. <laughs> I'm not calling her that. Uh, Bino <laughs> long writes on the May 12th, 1997 raw. When Rob Van Dam wrestles, then enhancement talent, Jeff Hardy, Jeff looked very young and hadn't really been well enough known. With the laws concerning underage workers coming into effect in different states at this time, it does lead me to a legal question as far as Vince is concerned. How big is Batista's dick? This is my new favorite thing on the show. Heart movie barbecue wants to know how close was Randy Savage coming to the WWF in 96, 97. And if he was brought in, would he have been an in-ring performer or just a commentator like before? Uh, there were talks and we had discussed like very limited dates on Randy actually working, but the role would have been him working a little bit and then being a ambassador for the WWE Dominic wants to know, can you tell the story of the bomb scare? When you came to Belfast in the early nineties, Bruce teased the story at the Dublin gig, but we ran out of time. Oh shit. Well, mid mid tour, we got our itineraries and we were staying at one hotel. Then the night before we're like, okay, there's been a change of plan. We're staying at this other hotel. So we go to the other hotel 
I'm like, why the fuck are we changing hotels, man? Like next, you know, day before said, oh, there was a bomb threat and they didn't want to deal with it. So they like made sure that we were in a undisclosed hotel. Somebody got a hold of the itinerary. So we just moved hotels and we always have a few to go to internationally. And that was during the time there were a lot of bombings that were taking place around Ireland or in Ireland. And I was out, um, who the hell I was with, uh, might've been DJ or I, I don't know, but, uh, we were out walking, walking the town, man, just doing some sightseeing and, uh, buying souvenirs and shit. And we walked by the hotel where we were supposed to stay. I said, Hey man, there's, there's a hotel we were supposed to be in. You know, shit, that looks nice too. We keep going down the street and all of a sudden about 20 minutes later, you hear an explosion. You hear all the sirens and, uh, see cars go running up and down the street, everybody going crazy. It's like, what the fuck was that? So, ah, probably some bomb went off somewhere on the way back. We get in front of the hotel. We were supposed to be staying at, and someone had set off a bomb in the lobby of that hotel. No one was hurt. You know, nothing, nothing came of it, but it was still scary as fuck all. Cause that's where we were supposed to be staying. So it was that that's the Belfast, uh, bomb story that we were walking the streets when the damn thing went off and it went off at the hotel we were supposed to be staying at. Okay, Bruce, I got to run a time out here to let everybody know about how we broke the internet last week. We announced that CM Punk was coming to Starcast. Nobody thought it was possible. Nobody saw it coming. It's been a five year layoff. We haven't heard from him in five years. And we're finally going to hear from him. He's going to be on stage with a live mic. It's not going to get cut. It's not going to be censored. And if you can't make it to Starcast in Chicago, you can enjoy from the comfort of your own living room. It is going to be broadcast on fight.tv. Oh, and how about John Moxley, the hottest star in the business right now? He had the most downloaded podcast of the year with Chris Jericho. And he's not going to be censored when he's on stage with Jim Ross. They're going to talk about what was and what will be. And how about Cody Rhodes? He's going to be sitting down with our old pal, Tony Schiavone. We're calling it from undesirable to undeniable. Now, here's the cool thing about ordering StarCast 3. If you pre-order right now, Fight is going to throw in StarCast 1. Now, StarCast 1, of course, was last year in Chicago. It's 26 shows, more than 29 hours of content. But that's not all. They're also going to include StarCast 2, which was 22 shows and over 25 hours of content. So just in the archives alone, you've got 49 shows with more than 54 hours of content. And of course, StarCast 3 has 11 shows, roughly 14 hours. We're talking 60 shows, 68 hours of content, and it's all just $39.99. But this weekend, you can check out GCW's Beg for Mercy. Hey, uh, that's tonight. Yeah. July 26th. That's tonight. You can watch this dream match. Maybe a fever dream match. Nick Gage versus orange Cassidy. And, uh, this Saturday tomorrow, Samoa Joe, the missing matches. That's only nine 99. You may not know this, but fight also has wrestling shows every single week for free. Check it out over at fight.tv, including promotions like ring of honor, or you can watch it on your fight app. Like I know I do. And I think Jr. does. Check it out, fight.tv. While you're there, pre-order StarCast. And don't forget to check out all the other great content on Fight TV.
James wants to know what's the one topic Bruce won't cover on the podcast. Well, if you've been listening to the podcast today, there've been a few, uh, silent spots. That's it. That's one of them. Uh, I mean, there's gotta be something, uh, isn't there something else uh, we, said we wouldn't cover? I don't remember. I mean, we don't have to talk about it, but we should at least say what the topic is. I don't remember though. Oh yeah, I do. You, you don't really want to get into the, uh, allegations against, uh, your friend that were found, you know, irrelevant. I mean, nothing ever came of it, but there were allegations against uh, a friend of your, a friend of ours. Yeah. Yeah. I'm and, not going to go into bullshit rumor and innuendo. Yeah. Especially one that, you know, uh, here's another question. I can't believe this is true. I'm trying to fact check this. Cause it doesn't seem like that would be right. Why was razor Ramon never in a Royal rumble? Surely he was right. Yeah. I thought so too. But as I'm, as I'm checking this, I, I don't see it. I think maybe he wasn't. It's weird. Why, why was, why was razor Ramon never in a Royal rumble? Maybe because he was in a high profile Royal rumble match on the card during the times or, or injured. That's about all I can think of. Super weird, but no, I, that uh, is weird. I, I, yeah, I just checked and yeah, he wasn't in 93, 94, 95 or 96. He had singles matches, but never in a Royal rumble. And that's about why that for a Vince, it, there was a big time that Vince never liked anybody to work twice in the rumble, you know, work have a match and then come back in the rumble. Oh, uh, here's a fun one. Uh, Sean wants to know what was Bruce's first impression of Conrad and can Bruce do an impression of Conrad? I cannot do an impression of Conrad and, um, I didn't know what the hell to expect. First time that I met Conrad, I, I had absolutely no idea. And when I first got your text, I uh, was sitting at home and didn't, didn't quite know how to take it because not a lot of people have my, have my phone number. And at the time I was so far removed from the wrestling business that that wrestling and, and everything about it was in the rear view. I, yeah. I was in the rear view and I, I really had no interest at that point. So, uh, you had, had sent me a text. I think it was on a Sunday and long lines of here's some people who know me. If you, you know, want to check me out type thing. And I actually did call a few of them and, um, everybody put you over. Everybody was like, Oh no, man, great guy. You'll love him. Uh, but I didn't know what the, f yeah, I really didn't know what the hell to expect, Her, but, suspect uh, that best, huh? Her, yeah, suspect, yeah, definitely that, suspect best. that best. I mean, yeah. got her sash fresh. Uh, but I just, um, I didn't care. So, uh, I think, uh, I think I made a good choice by coming out <laughs> and, and hanging out and getting to know you and, and putting on the hat of you, you just go and you meet people. You never know who you're going to meet. You never know what, what comes out of friendships that you strike up. So, uh, I think that, uh, isn't it crazy to we, think about like, you know, had it, what if you would have passed how different both of our lives would have been? Yeah. And, and I was leaning heavily on passing. Like what the hell do I want to go to Huntsville, Alabama for uh, who, who convinced you Hayes? Um, 
both Rick and, and, and Michael probably are the ones that convinced me the most. Sure. And probably was Michael the most. Uh, here's a fun one here. Ian says, Bruce, on an early episode, you stated that you threw away your brother love outfit after an incident. What was the incident? I'm picturing, um, you know, that you were doing children's parties. Uh, <laughs> I don't know that that's ever the case, but chat me up. Uh, you, you did tease that you threw this outfit away, sort of Jack Briscoe style off the bridge into the ocean. Well, what made you say, man, fuck this and just throw it into the water. Um, as we speak, Conrad, tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to find that. What's that thing called? Twitter. Okay. Yep. Did you, you know, Twitter changed their shit on computers. So it's really hard to navigate. Mine's still the same. Mine's different. Okay. And I'm typing here. Here's why. And I'm going to put a picture in here. This is, um, the last picture taken prior to, uh, me throwing, and it was this very day. It is now tweeted. It is out there folks. Um, so if you've got your Twitter up, you can see it. I was at a convention. In Galveston, Texas, I had same thing, man. I hadn't done conventions in a while. The day that I did that convention, I moved in, I was moving into the house that I'm in now and it was just all frustrations and all everything coming to a head. And that day I got done and I was in the, in the parking garage and I had the, the shirt and the uh, jacket. It's an embroidered shirt. I've still got a few of them left somewhere my wife keeps. But um, I just kind of hit a wall. I just kind of hit a wall. And I remember going over the bridge over Galveston Bay. I was in the right-hand lane. And I said, fuck it. And it was all balled up in the in the seat right next to me and I rolled down the passenger side window and threw it right over the edge of the bridge into Galveston Bay. So there you go. You got a little, uh, it brought you back telling that story. You got a little emotion in your voice. Just telling the story. I, you know, I, I just, I, I was done. I just was done. I was tired. I was done. I was just next. You know what I mean? So. Even though you started the show by saying that the wrestling business was, um, you, know, you never worked a day in your life and you know, blah, blah, blah. It's a fucking tough road, isn't it? It, it can be, it, you know, it really can be. And this was, you know, it's funny how you, you go through different phases of your life. And when I would do appearances, obviously they wanted brother love and I wasn't going to do brother love, but I would wear, you know, some of the stuff and, and I love brother love. Brother love was very good to me. Um, I loved the gimmick. I had a blast being brother love. Uh, but it was, I just on that day, man, for whatever reason, 
I had been at the autograph signing, and it was, uh, I remember seeing AJ Styles, and AJ Styles, it just won the New Japan, whatever their championship is, and had the belt there with him. And I'm looking around, and uh, Kevin Von Erich was was down on one end. Scott Hall and X-Pac were down on one end. But it was it was that scene from The Wrestler, to me, in my head. That's what it was. Right. Because with the exception of um, Kevin Von Erich, and Scott Hall, like nobody had lines. People just came by and kind of just walked by and just looked at you. And uh, yeah, just kind of, I'd hit a wall. I'd hit a wall in life. I'd hit a wall in, in everything and was done. And that is the only picture I have of that day. Um, and I... And probably the only reason I kept it was because that because how long my goatee was at the time. You know what's what's interesting too is that story you just shared was five years ago. That's all. Yeah. You know we started the podcast two years after that, and you know Dave Silva and I had a chance to catch up last week, and it was uh, I'd hosted a bunch of folks, and everybody had gone to bed, and it was just he and I in the basement downstairs in the same chairs you and I sat in the first time we hung out and um it's total darkness I'm looking at over the city or whatever and he says can you believe all this happened in three years and it was really like holy shit man you're right like in three years who would have thought right lots change hadn't it wow, it sure does uh Craig wants to know who came up with the idea of the undertaker using a body bag for, or a body bag match. Uh, we actually came up with it from, uh, introducing Paul bear. And the, he was a mortician and just thought it'd be cool for once he disposed of his opponents, nice little ritual, put him in a body bag, carry him out. Steve wants to know. Do you think John Cena should win the belt one more time to surpass Ric Flair or leave it a tie forever? Hmm. See, and again, Flair, uh, Flair and Cena's, they're, they're both kabuki-ish. Which titles do you want to count? Right. You know, so I think you can make it anything, and I, I don't know. Leave it with John and Rick. You know, I, I, I like having, I, I love history. So I love letting some historical things just be. So I, I liked, would have liked to have had Undertaker have an undefeated streak. Like to have the, the one only, you know, 19 time world champion, except that means that he lost it 19 times. Um, never Rob. understood thinking but still at the same time you know what i mean I, 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 would, I would like some shit to just stand for a while pra wants to know does vince know about your vinceisms like chocolate titties and if so what does he say i don't know if he knows about chocolate titties but he definitely knows about all the others but yeah i mean he knows you do i person. do him to him sure 
I mean, if, if I'm, especially when I used to produce Vince a lot, I, uh, I would do his part as if he would do it with his voice, his mannerisms, everything. Dan wants Danny. to know, uh, have you sold your life story to anyone yet? And if so, which actor should play you now? I know you haven't, but I do like the question, which actor should play you? What do you think? Oh, everybody goes to that Philip Seymour guy that's dead. Yeah. And I, I said that once on a show, somebody said he's dead. And I said, I know I thought like the, that's why you wanted him to play me. D dig him up. Boom. Spruce. Yeah. Same, same. same uh, thing. but no serious business. W what do you think? Who should it be? Hmm. Let me think. Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer could do it. Yeah. He's not as good looking as I am though. Oh, of course not. Oh yeah. Um, the, the Aquaman guy. This is a tremendous question. You're going to love this. Dallas Henry. Body wise, just, you know. No, I think, I, th I don't know that guy's name, but I know who you're talking about. And I think y'all are basically twins. You know, yeah. I, I don't know how many times a week you get confused for him a lot uh in the 98 royal rumble foley comes in as three different characters does he get paid three times as much as someone who came in once no actually only gets a third yeah each time yeah yeah um lots of questions about this because we know that the second season was just announced will bruce be a part of the second season of dark side of the ring i will not well, yeah. not yet. Well, I mean, but realistically, that's probably going to be something that WWE's contract would preclude you from doing, right? I mean, that seems reasonable. Most likely, yeah. But you never know. You never say never. Uh, we've we've answered this a few times, but Mark Wilson, who says he's a hard hardcore listener, doesn't actually listen. Uh, Conrad, I've asked a few times, but I'll keep trying here. Could Bruce explain why Ric Flair wore his knee pads around his shins? I never understood why it totally defeats the purpose of the knee pad. Uh, the answer Rick would say is minuscule calves. Uh, he, yes. he, he, he thought his calf muscles weren't big enough. Uh, they, they weren't impressive enough for him. So he wanted to cover them with the knee pads. So you wouldn't see his chicken legs. That's not me saying that that's. The nature boy, Ric Flair, minuscule calves. It's the only time I've heard him say minuscule, but it's always in front of the word calves. Yeah, but it is. Yeah. Skinny legs. But at the same time, he still pulled them up during the match. Chase was to know after Kane unmasked, why did they make him, uh, keep shaving half his head? And how much did he hate that haircut? <laughs> he hated him. He hated it immensely. Not as much as his wife did. Um, I thought it looked cool and yes, it was my idea. And yes, I did that to him, but I thought it was cool. Eric wants to know what is Bruce's most prideful spot he's booked or produced and what is his worst? So is there one thing, one particular, not a, not a storyline, but a moment that you booked that was your favorite. And then what was your least favorite? Hmm. One of my favorites is probably the Shawn Michaels collapse with the post-concussive syndrome stuff way back when, before we knew what the hell, you know, any of that stuff was. And least favorite, there's so many of those. Um, 
That's that's a hard one. That's a hard to pick, hard one to pick pick from. I just don't even know. Ross wants to know, do you think Indianapolis will ever get another WrestleMania? It's a much better city than it was in 92, and it now has one of the better NFL stadiums. I think it's got one of the best NFL stadiums, and it's one of those stadiums that we always talk about that would be great to hold a WrestleMania in. I think Indianapolis, um, right now, with the way the WrestleManias and everything go, it, it kind of needs to be a destination city where there are a lot of other things to do. Like, a, you know, Tampa's close to Orlando, the beach. It's got a lot of different attractions and activities. So, um, but that's not to say that Indianapolis couldn't be in the running because it is a beautiful stadium. Another question here. I know Bruce wasn't there for most of 91. This is fun though. At WrestleMania seven and at SummerSlam, why did Elizabeth and then Stu and Helen respectively have such shitty seats? Now, as a reminder, I know that this is going to get some criticism from Bruce as a question, but these days, whenever we're showing someone in the crowd, they always reserve seats like either behind the announcers or underneath the hard cam in the front row. But way back in the day, they had like lower level seats, not, not like front row floor, but out in the crowd. Is that just a, a director choice based on, Hey, this is the look we need. Or do you think you guys had actually sold those seats by that point? No, because you don't want them distracting from the matches going on in the ring, but now it's okay. If they do No, we, they're not always out there the whole time. Now they're just put out there for, for one or two matches yeah, and that's that it. Match, yeah. So Stu and Helen would be out there all night long. And if they're sitting front row, depending upon where you are, people knew who they were and were constantly coming up to them. And, and it just took away. It was a distraction. That's Will, why. Will wants to know, I'd love to know what Bruce's favorite type of gimmick match was. Well, back in the day, and I say way back in the day when cage matches meant something, it was always the cage match because that was the blow off. And that was where you settled everything. No one in, no one out. You could pretty much get away with everything. Um, the, I'm not a big fan of a lot of gimmick matches. So it's, that's what made the cage so damn unique. Now. I think when you look at it, I've really grown to enjoy the, um, well, uh, the, the hell on a cell just because it's, it's, it's got a unique concept to it. And, uh, I think it's uh, pretty cool. I think a lot of people are going to be, uh, disappointed in your answer here. Brandon wants to know over the years, viewers at home would always see a shot of the wrestler in the ring, looking up the ramp at various stages of the match. What were their performers looking for or at? It would happen a lot during rest holds after big spots or during pins. Was there someone by the stage giving cues to the performers? Now, what, 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 what were they looking at? I don't understand the question. Well, I'm going to give the answer here. Brandon, they were looking at the jumbotron. They wanted to see themselves on TV. Oh, you mean when guys would stare off to the, yeah. But like, they're, they just they're like looking at themselves. They yes. wanted to see what the shot was, what angle are they shooting this from that type of thing. There's no one on stage giving hand signs, like a third base coach telling them to steal home. 
They're just watching themselves. They wanted, Hey, what shot? They're looking at themselves. Yeah. Well, and not, not necessarily in a vain way, but Hey, how are we shooting this? Do I need to snug that up a little bit? Do I need to sell more this direction or that? Does it look good on TV? Not, Hey, how's my hair look? I mean, maybe some guys do, but you know what I mean? Like they're trying to position themselves properly for the camera. They're looking at themselves. Yeah. In the mirror with, yeah. All right. Kevin wants to know, okay, Bruce. You said you never watched ECW because it's in the bingo hall. But then last week you said you and Jr. wanted to hire Mick Foley because of the great work he did in 95 in ECW. Both can't be true. Which is it, Bruce? He sent us tapes of it. Uh, Dane William wants to know why was Bill. What the, I mean, what, what the fuck? Fuck you with your goddamn question. <laughs> Motherfucker sent us tapes of the shit. You think I'm going to sit there through a fucking ECW show? God damn. Now in fairness, that's part of it is the tapes that Mick Foley would send us. I years ago, I ordered a pay-per-view and I won't say what month it was. Cause it would give it away. But I told Bruce, I said, Hey man, this match is going to be awesome. We got to watch this. This is hyped up, blah, blah, blah. So I order the pay-per-view fire it up. We get about halfway through and he says, fuck this. I'm going to bed. So I believe when I believe Bruce, when he says, I ain't sitting through ECW, I ain't watching that because I've tried to make him watch new different stuff where they were doing some stuff that maybe Bruce disagreed with philosophically. And the response was, fuck this. I'm going to bed. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck that shit. Dane, (laughs) Dane William writes, uh, why was Bill Dundee never brought in by WWE, despite having an enormous wealth of experience and knowledge from running Memphis with Jerry Lawler and its glory and being a top face there for decades. He was also an agent and on-screen manager for WCW, but never the WWE. What's up with that? Well, Dundee did come in and have a cup of coffee, um, met with Vince and, and Vince just wasn't impressed. Uh, Dundee had a style of booking that worked really well for Memphis and different territories. Some would say in the South, a little bit more wild West. I always thought that Bill Dundee was a tremendous booker. Although when you look back hindsight, 2020, uh, Bill's expertise, you know, he, he hot shot itself. So it's, uh, if you want your territory to, to get a boost in the arm and you need to hot shot the territory, Bill was your guy, man, he could do it. And he had a great mind, but I don't know that Bill ever lasted longer than a year. Maybe sometimes he could stretch it out into two anywhere. So that was the problem. Vince looking for longevity and things that, that wouldn't just bump the, bump the houses up for six, eight months. And then, then you're dead after they go away. Um, but again, for me personally, I learned an awful lot from Bill Dundee and I thought he was, uh, had a brilliant mind, but a lot of it had to do with just big hot shot stuff. Sean wants to know who was the young girl used in ultimate warriors interview segments, including the brother love show. I remember her popping up on primetime wrestling as well. We get lots of questions about this, where it seems like we're seeing the same fan a lot. Uh, and this one in particular is about the, uh, ultimate warrior segments. Do you remember this little girl? The, the Amanda little girl that we put the little warrior thing on her cheek. We'll go with that. Um, she was just someone from the crowd that was, and I, I don't think while there may have been people that look like her, maybe she had come back and, 
someone kept in touch with her, but that was literally a fan from the crowd. Tremendous question here from Mark. Was it ever suggested or considered to have the Mountie enter the arena on a horse? Yeah. Hell yeah. Why did it happen? Horses don't do well on concrete. Ask Jeff Jarrett about that. Uh, yeah, they don't do well on concrete. They slip and they fall and it's, uh, you got to put carpet down and all kinds of good shit. It's, it can be ugly. And most of the time when we were around, it was a concrete floor and, and just, they don't do well on ramps and they don't do well on concrete. Joel wants to know, this is something I've always wondered. Has there ever been a contingency plan in place in case the winner of the Royal rumble was accidentally eliminated? Yeah. Send Vince down to the ring and blow out his quads. There you go. I knew you were going to say that uh, briefly tell everybody what you're talking about in case they're not putting two and two together. Where the hell were we? We were in, uh, um, Royal rumble San Jose. Five. Yeah. San Jose. I think uh, Royal rumble and Batista and Cena went over at the same time. And I think Batista was supposed to win. So, so nobody knew what the hell to do because they both went over and hit at the same time. And so Vince went down to restart the rumble. And as he went down, he blew out one quad on the way down and got in the ring and couldn't get up because his quad was completely blown. And on the way back, blew the other one out. But he like walked back, made it back. It's incredible, but, uh, yeah, that's what you do. So there's been lots of people, you know, since we started doing the show, who've watched the old episodes of, of raw or superstars or whatever. And they see you, I, th- I guess probably 96, maybe 97 portraying yourself as jumbo Jim in some of the commercials. And then there is Vin McManakin. we got multiple questions this week. Who was playing Vin McManakin? Um, Man, I saw him just the other week. I think it was George Shermanakos uh, that did Vince, and then I did uh, did good old Jr. But it was for a Karate Fighter spot, and it was all parodies on things. So I happened to be in the studio when they were shot. They go, "Hey, Bruce, you do Jr." So I did Jr. And we just dressed up and we knocked that shit out in about thirty minutes. Anthony, would you now, now take them all day and 14 riders and six hours just to get the shot lit before they do it? We just like put the shit on and did it. Better be careful with all that talk. What? Uh, Anthony wants to know what was the craziest night you ever had at Tim White's friendly tap? Uh, <laughs> the night that I asked if I could uh, take out the light above the pool table. And he's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's cheap. It's a, it was like a Budweiser or Coors Light light. So it's a sponsored light. So I just get another one from him. And when we took it out, we took out the entire ceiling. What, when you, you mean you swung like a pool cue at it? No, we swung a person at it. I think it was actually Layfield. And so when the feet hit the light and Wait, took the light on. out, you the entire and you, you and some other guys threw John Bradshaw Layfield at the Well light. no, this was during an APA vignette. Oh, okay. I thought this was just a was, random Thursday. No, no, this well, that was a random Thursday in there. Um I rebuilt that thing I don't know how many times. Uh 
and so and somehow, some way, Tim White and I talked to him about it recently. Somehow, some way, Tim White would always find a way to to damage big screen TVs that I just didn't know were there. That's weird. And he had it? some of the finest, most expensive big screen TVs that we allegedly took out that you ever heard of. Yeah, he had 4K Me. back in '98. Oh, yeah, yeah, big screen T had big screen TVs and sub zero refrigerators. <laughs> so we always used to joke about whenever I'd rebuild the friendly tap, but, but, but the, the, on this particular night, we, we did end up, uh, taking out the ceiling. I, I mean, I destroyed that place. It was, it was crazy. It was fun though. Cody. Friendly tap. Cody wants to know what was Vince's, um, protein of choice. Chicken. Oh, that man was going to turn into a chicken at one time. Ryan wants to know any good, uh, Mike sharp stories. He was a staple on WWF programming in the eighties and an entertaining heel, but you guys don't talk about him a lot. Mike Sharp was the cleanest man on the face of the earth. He washed his hands probably 200 times a day, would take a shower as soon as he got to the arena, and then he would put his gear on, he would wrestle, and then he would work out. And he would work out um, all night long. He would do the wheel. He would do squats. He would do push-ups. He would do sit-ups. He would do pull-ups, find a place in the building. And then he would shower. And he would shower for sometimes 30 minutes, sometimes an hour. Uh, he would wash himself and then rinse and then wash himself again and then rinse and then wash himself again and then rinse. And he carried... I don't know how many rolls of toilet paper in his bag. He, he was OCD to the point that he would wash the same body part 50 times or something like, yeah. And then, and then he would lock the door 30 times or whatever his routine was. He had to do that every day. Right? Yes. And so sometimes after his matches, you know, his workouts and everything in his routine would take so long that he actually got locked in inside of a few buildings after everyone had left. Mike was still doing his, his workout and people just forgot about him and well, shit, his match was over three hours ago. He must be gone. Cause he would go find a place in the arena or in the dressing room or just do his thing somewhere, do his thing. Really, really good question here. This is the type of question we love here on something to wrestle. Mikey Taylor writes, a friend and I have had lengthy debates on this topic. And I want to know Bruce's take when a wrestler is hiding under the ring for an extended period of time and has to take a shit. How do they go about that? He seems to think they would use the fetal position cheek lift technique. Well, I'm a firm believer in the crab walk position. How much room is under the room for shitting hashtag love to know. Hornswoggle's got a lot of room. I mean, he could just do the squat and go. But I don't know of anyone else that's ever had that issue. It's something you might want to take care of before you go under the ring. But I mean, if you're under there and you got to go. Like, Pinch. Oh, allegedly, when Mr. Perfect had to hide under there once, he took a, a big old steamer. Well, he's probably just, that's because he's perfect. David Burden wants to know. It's rumored that Lanny Poffo did a magic trick where he'd make part of himself disappear. Did you ever witness it? 
Nope. Um, Mason wants to know who was behind the Austin 316 gimmick. I don't think he means in terms of the actual promo, like who said it, but who ultimately pulled the trigger on merchandising it? Well, the merchandise again, how, you couldn't deny it because after Austin cut the Austin 316 says, I just whooped your ass. After that promo, the next night, there were signs everywhere, and Steve was a heel. So it stemmed from a conversation in Vince's office with the merchandise guy where Jim Ross and myself got in a big argument with Vince and the merchandise guy, because the merchandise guy would argue only baby faces sell. And we said, you look around the arena, and... 80% of the arena is filled with Austin 316. Just do a black shirt with white letters that says Austin 316. It'll sell. I promise you it'll sell. And the other one was Sid. Sid was red hot at the time. And said, instead of putting a picture of Sid, just show his eyes and put psycho. I said, that's all you need on that one. So the Austin 316 did better than the Psycho Sid one, but it was the first step in heel merchandise that was cool, that would sell. And it was a departure from the, if you're going to sell merchandise, I was got to have the guy's picture on it. Bullshit. Let's come up with some clever sayings. Let's come up with something that is unique, that's cool to wear, that I would wear someplace other than the wrestling matches. That was the idea behind the Austin 316 shirt. We've got a question here and I know you're going to have an answer for it. Uh, why didn't one, two, three kid participate in the curtain call? Was he even there? There you go. He wasn't there. Yeah. It is interesting though. You wonder like, you know what the heat would have looked like. Yeah. I don't think it would have been good for him. Who wins in a shoot fight? This comes to us from Todd. Jerry Briscoe in his prime or Kurt Angle? Ooh, that would have been good. It depends. Uh, is there a real referee or is Briscoe allowed to cheat? You're in a bar. Be a hell of a fight. That'd be scary. Cody wants Briscoe's to- mean. Briscoe's mean. Kurt at least has a little compassion. Very little. But it's there. I don't I don't know, man. Cody Daniels wants to know who would win in a shoot fight with Paul Lee and Jim Cornette and why? <laughs> oh my God. That, that would be what I like to call a pinch fight. I would just kind of see him. God damn. If I have a tennis racket, I'll kill him. If I only had a phone, sir, I will kill you. Lane wants to know what was Bruce's favorite match that he produced. So not a spot, not a storyline, but an actual match. Did you ever do one of those that you can recall being like, man, that's the one. Um, you know, as far as being an agent and setting up matches like that, I didn't do a whole lot of that uh, other than working, you know, finish backwards. So there's not a lot to choose from. Um, so to, to that regard, I don't really have any. Matthew has a question. Why is it America the Beautiful and not the national anthem at WrestleMania? Because Vince likes America the Beautiful. 
Jason wants to know all things considered was Vince Russo. Was he a positive or negative impact on the business overall? You know, Vince Russo was a voice, um, a different voice at a time that a different voice was needed. So Vince Russo helped for a couple of years, but when you look at the impact overall, I think he had uh, had a hell of a two-year run. Gareth writes, just finished watching the HBO documentary on Andre the Giant and Ric Flair's 30 for 30. Loved every minute of both. Which iconic WWE superstar should have a documentary made about them next besides Vince? I think Hulk. I think Savage. Um... I think both of them would, would be huge. Uh, Ron, man wants to know who are your closest friends in the wrestling business? Jerry Briscoe, John Layfield. Um, wow. It, it, Eric Bischoff, probably. Um, Booker T. Oh God. How can I forget book? Um, that's how close we are. You know, I, I no, I, I say that seriously because I just always, I mean, I think a book, right? Right. Books. I mean, books, my man, <laughs> it was, he, it, taker probably is the other one, but it's, I saw Booker on Monday and we just, we just sat there and hugged and I put my arm around him. We sat on road cases and I haven't seen him in three weeks, four weeks. And we both put our head heads together and go, I miss you so much. <laughs> But yeah, um, that's probably it. Yeah. Taker Booker, uh, Eric and I are close, uh, Layfield and Briscoe. Um, Aaron wants to, do you think Brian Pillman will ever be in the hall of fame? Yes, I do. Uh, we'll wrap it up with this one. Most fun guy to party with. And I want you to give a wrestling answer and a non wrestling answer because you've had an opportunity to party with some celebrities. So what say you, Bruce, most fun guy to party with. Wow. Depends on what that party is. Um, I tell you who a lot of uh, later years, guys that people would know that of current John Cena is because He's not one of those that gets, he's a fun when he gets a buzz, he's fun. He's a blast. Cena's a blast. Um, I enjoy going out with Cena. Uh, there, there's some guys that, you know, they, they hit that one beer and they fall off the ledge and they're a different person. Yeah, I can do without that. Um, Briscoe was always fun, even though he could, he could hit that ledge sometimes and he was always fun, but then he wanted to stretch you. And, um, but I think that when you go out beyond that, Leslie Nielsen from naked gun fame, he was one of the most enjoyable celebrities I've ever been around in my life, but he was a blast to party with and man, could he drink and Willie Nelson, the song that Toby Keith sings about, I'll never smoke weed with Willie again. Well, I share those sentiments because I did the 10th floor of the Hilton in Los Angeles before WrestleMania 
And I thought, wow, I thought I could have done it all and could do it all. I'll never smoke weed with Willie again. Well, we hope that you'll listen to something to wrestle again. We've got some fun stuff planned to come in your way. Of course, uh, next week is going to be a barn burner. We're dropping it on the day. The rocks new movie comes out. So it's gotta be all about the rock. We're going to cover his run in the early two thousands on August 9th. We've got 20 years of Chris Jericho. Of course, you may remember he debuted for the WWF on August 9th, 1999. So look forward to that one. The two weeks from today. Yeah. August 9th. August 16th, we're going back 15 years to SummerSlam 2004. August 23rd, we're going back to August of 1999 for SummerSlam 99. And on August 30th, we're going to do a watch along, something we haven't done uh, for a long time in a pay-per-view like this. One of my favorites as a kid, SummerSlam 89. Man, I love the Zeus character, and we're finally going to get to talk about SummerSlam 89 and watch it with you, and you'll sort of get to... uh, uh, make your observations and share some things with us. This was a fun episode though, man. I really enjoyed love to know. I think, uh, this is a nice change of pace for us. We had some good questions today. I enjoyed them. Yeah. Except for that one motherfucker with the fucking bullshit. I don't even remember what the question was. Well, he wanted to know that the two that you were annoyed with were who the fuck wrote WrestleMania and SummerSlam song. Yeah. Jim Johnson. And no, it's not, but then no, it's not. Yeah. Fuck you. And then now you get me hot again. Here's the deal. It might not be. I mean, this guy probably knows more about the music than me and you do, but whatever. And then, uh, <laughs> the guy who, you know, you love Big Foley's work, but he was only wrestling in ECW. The reality is you knew who cactus Jack was from the territories from WCW. Uh, and like you said, everybody was sending in tapes, uh, back in the day, by the way, I heard from our, our great friend of the show, Conan and, uh, all, all this time later. He was still uh, thanking me for, uh, helping repair your relationship with him where you told the, you know, yo, 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 it's K dog story. And he gives me credit for that somehow, because I pushed you on it on the show. And now you guys are friends in real life. So he's one of your friends on your best friends in the business list. And maybe one of those where you didn't see that coming because years ago, oh, even man, when- I love me some K dog now. Yeah. now. I don't know who the fuck K dog is, but I love me some Conan. <laughs> That was so funny, man. We've had fun on this. It was a fun trip down memory lane. I hope you guys dug it as much as we did. We hope you support our sponsors. Uh, you know, don't forget to check out Lightstream and, and blue chew. And, uh, you know, we've just had a, a great time with those guys who are longtime sponsors here on the show. We're looking forward to next week. Uh, hopefully Bruce can, uh, sneak away for a few hours and not let Vince know that he's talking about the rock, but we're looking forward to that. Do you think you'll get to see the rocks new movie next weekend? I'm going to try. Yeah, I think everybody else was. I'm just Shaw. Let, let me give I you. I heard a- the Batista's new movie is good too. I've heard the same thing. I've heard a lot of people say it's really, really good. Uh, but you know, that rock one, it's going to debut at number one. I mean, everything he touches is just box office. Yeah. Pretty scary. Well, that's scary that we've, uh, we've gone on two hours here in this something to wrestle episode. We'll look forward to getting with you next week. Tell your friends the Pritchard show is live and in living color every Friday at noon. Uh, it's still going strong, baby. He is at Bruce Pritchard. I am at, Hey, Hey, it's Conrad. And we are out of time. We'll see you next week right here on something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Shaka Khan. How's it going? John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. 
Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on, right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.